God's Word, and we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4 as we go through this series in, in Nehemiah. Today will be the last of the opposition in Nehemiah. We looked at opposition in Nehemiah through threats. We looked at opposition in Nehemiah through ridicule. And today we're going to look at opposition through discouragement. And I think that's something that we can all relate to. We all get discouraged at times, maybe for an hour or two or or a day or a week or sometimes a prolonged period where it just doesn't seem to go away. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4 starting in verse 10 and we'll read the rest of the chapter today. Meanwhile the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also our enemies said Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over. Boy, that's discouraging. Whatever whatever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, hosting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night, so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you so much for giving us encouragement when we read your word and seeing that folks, man, they just had it a lot worse than we do at times. And and Father, we We pray that we would look to your word to find encouragement. There's so many times we look for it in the news or family or friends and we just don't receive it. But we we know when we look to your word that we will receive encouragement. We'll receive direction and guidance. And Father, we're so thankful for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to look at this today as a a two-part sermon with a the first part being recognized discouragement so many times we get those backhanded compliments right and 
we think, well, that was kind of nice, and then we go home and think about it and think, wait a minute, that wasn't nice at all. I should have recognized that by the smirk they had on their face while I was walking off, right? He's the dumb, he don't even get it. First thing that we've got to do when we look at this scripture here, we think about discouragement and opposition coming through discouragement, is that we've got to recognize it. And verses 10 through 12 help us out with this. And you'll see in your outline, I'm making you work a little bit today. You've got a blank in your outline. And so does anybody need a pen or a pencil? Tyler Allen loves getting pens and pencils for people. He'd be glad to get one. All right, everybody good. Okay, so verse 10, we see that it can come from within. It can come from within. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot build, rebuild the wall. Let's note today when we look at this scripture that not all discouragement comes from evil folks who wish you harm. Right? We kind of think of when we think of that, when we think of discouragement, we think of it from people who's just the, the naysayer all the time. And that's just not true. We see this verse here, meanwhile the people in Judah, we don't see any evidence from here all the way back to uh, Nehemiah 1 that the folks in Judah were out to harm Nehemiah and the people. They weren't doing that. What they were doing was stating the truth. Right? Here's what's happening. Sometimes we need that friend in our life that just says, hey, right, Captain Obvious. And they just say, hey, here's what's happening. And we just need to deal with it, right? Not all discouragement comes from the outside. And Judah, they saw this huge task in front of them. They saw all this rubble. They saw the folks from outside. Remember last week we added on that third party to the, to the west? They had attacks from the north and the east and the south. And then we had this other group from the west. So they're completely surrounded by folks who want to hurt them. So we have this group right here, the tribe of Judah, right in the middle of them saying, hey, this is tough, right? Things are broken down. Discouragement can come from within. This can be our family at home. This can be our, our work family. This can be our church family sometimes. Sometimes we might be doing something, and then, you know, Captain Obvious says, we ain't got enough folks, or we didn't budget for this, or even worse, you didn't bring that up in business meeting. We're just going to do that, right? So we need to deal with those various things. Look at their situation here. Their strength was failing, right? We had already seen they are working hard putting this wall back together. Right, they're going to a, to a place that they hadn't been to in a long time, the city of Jerusalem. They're putting the wall back together. It's not like they were going to the parsonage, throwing up some two-by-fours and some drywall. Right? I mean, it was like hard work. They were moving some serious boulders. They were moving big pieces of lumber. And guess what? Doing it by hand. They, didn't, they couldn't fire up the generator. Right? They weren't going to get the 4 by 4 and push the stuff and, and move things or go get the ranger and little by little move things back and forth. Guys, they're doing this by hand. That's straight up discouraging. Not only were they doing all this by hand, but they're in a city that was in just a wreck. Could you imagine the logistics they would have had to set up just for feeding themselves? 
just for housing themselves. All these things that we take for granted that they had to take and worry about. Their strength is failing. There's so much rubble that we're not going to be able to rebuild it. But here's the problem when this comes from within. When there's an issue and everybody knows about it, it really doesn't help to be Captain Obvious sometimes, does it? Everybody knows it, right? But we all do that. We all have to be Captain Obvious, and we have to offer up some discouragement, right? Here's what we want to do. It's a huge task, right? Concord ain't that big, okay? We're not a mega church with all kind of folks and all kind of resources, but here's this huge task that we want to do. And Toby, that's, that's too big. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough resources, We're busy that Saturday. That's discouraging, right? As brothers and sisters, what we want to do is kind of lift up that Nehemiah. Lift up that Sunday school teacher. Lift up that one that's doing that project and saying, you know what, I'm out of town, but I got some folks in my class that will probably be here. Let me encourage them to get there. I'm not able to give on this, but I got some legs at work, right? My fingers, I could still go. I can't go, and I can't give. How can I pray for you? I'm going to pray every day at this time for this. Right? And don't act like it's like it's all I can do. We do that, don't we? Well, I can't give, and I can't go, and I can't do, but... And then we do it like that, don't we? I guess, I, I guess all I can do is pray. Well, I guess that's all you can do is pray to the Lord of the universe who takes care of everything and has all things in His hand. I guess that's all you can do, right? Why don't we say, hey, why don't I pray for that like we want to? Hey, let me pray for this. How can I pray for you today? With a smile on our face, with some encouragement, or with a text. You guys ever receive a text from somebody that says, I'm praying for you right now. A card in the mail. Three days ago, I prayed for you about this issue that you're having, and I just want to let you know that I love you. Doesn't that mean a lot? How many of you guys often get handwritten notes in the mail? One. Right? One. How many of you guys like getting handwritten notes in the mail? I'm going to pretend I see everybody's hand. Because it's almost everybody. I love those things. Even when it's those marketing companies. You know what I mean? They act like it's a handwritten note. But it's, they're really trying to sell you something. I open those every time. Because I'm going to like, oh, maybe it's real. No, it's not. It can come from without, verse 11. So our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We will kill them and put an end to their work. Our enemies. You see here how our enemies are secretly working to undermine us. Right? Now think about this. Your enemies are the ones who oppose you all the time. Not the person you had a tiff with last week for five minutes. Okay? Not the one you had a disagreement with last year. That's not your enemy. The enemy is the one who opposes you all the time. And guess who it really is? Satan. Ephesians 6, verse 12. You'll see it on the overhead. 
it is. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in every or in the heavenly places. We get all worked up when things don't go our way. Um, Luke texted me this morning. They're on vacation. And uh, they said they're going to listen to this sermon uh, this afternoon with their family. So they're not here. And I can use them as an example. Uh, and I know Vicki will be listening to this. Uh, you guys know I was teasing her last week about her cars. Right? She, tried, she texted me this week and said, hey, I'm going to make you a good deal on my Buick. Uh, I want to sell you my, the one that breaks down every time they go somewhere, right? And I texted her back and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll take that Buick off your hands if you give me $500. That's a sweet deal, right? Actually, it's probably a good deal for her. She doesn't have to mess with it, and then it'll take me more than $500 to do whatever I have to do with that car. And we, we use things like that. And sure, Satan, uh, he, he tries to discourage us with a car breaking down. Uh, with that unexpected medical bill that you get in the mail, with that thing that happened at work last week, right? You went in all happy that day. You were ready to go. You had your cup of coffee. You didn't spill nothing on you the whole way. A clean shirt. And then negative Nancy hits you at the door, right? And your day's done. And we look at those things like they're huge. Guys, Satan has a bigger plan than that. He's got a bigger plan than your little car, than your little issue at work, your stain on your shirt because you dripped some coffee on it. When I go to McDonald's to get a cup of coffee, do you know how they put the lid on? They always put it on at the seam where the hole is. They always put it on at the seam. And guess what happens when you turn the cup up when it's at the seam? It gets all over your white shirt. So now I have to take a look at it. 100% of the time, they put it on at the seam. Very interesting. John 10.10, the thief does not come to except to steal and to kill and destroy. They're not talking about your little car. They're not talking about your little issue at work. They're not talking about your little coffee stain on your shirt. He's talking about to kill you, to absolutely ruin your life, to steal. And it's not that pen that you liked, right? Here's what I like. I like these Pilot G2 with the... 071, if you take this pen, I will hunt you down, right? Uh, Carla's downstairs, and she got me some dummy pens for my office. So when you come into my office, and you think, I'm going to steal his pen. Well, good luck with that, because that's my dummy pen, right? You got the dummy pen. So joke's on you. And we get all worked up about those things, right? But Satan wants to absolutely wreck your life. And so Vicky called me or texted me when she was in, I don't know, is Louisville or somewhere? She broke down, and she said, you know what? We're broke down the side of the road, but here's what God did. He allowed us to break down in a safe place. He allowed us to break down to where we could go inside the school or something, and they took care of us. Uh, the, the tow truck driver was nice. Look what God did, right? And guys, this is what we need to do when the attacks come. The, all that discouragement comes from outside is to say, Satan... This stinks, right? But I got another white shirt at home. Even if I didn't, I got a dollar that I can buy another one at the thrift store, right? It can lead to despair, verse 12. They told us ten times. Now, why would in 
right here, why would it say ten times and not nine or eleven? Right? What is specific about the word phrase ten times? Did they literally say ten times? Here's what happened. This is a Jewish idiom, and it, it really means they said it a lot. We see examples in Genesis 31.7 and Numbers 14.22, Job 19.3, where they'll say ten times this happened, ten times this happened. And it really means it, this just happened a whole lot. Okay. Here we see constant discouragement can lead us to despair. You can take it when your car breaks down. You might can take it when your second car breaks down and you're late to work. But when you're late to work after two cars are broken down and the K-cup machine ain't working, you know what I'm saying? Y'all have, all have that tipping point where something goes flying across the room. Mike McCulloch in Kansas City Mike had got saved at, he was, what, in his mid-40s, mid to late 40s when he got saved. He was coming to our church plant with us. And uh, Mike was, he's a godly guy. And uh, Mike works for BASF at, is it the Ford plant? Um, So it's Mike's fault if you have a Ford and your paint's coming off your car. Because they do the mix for the paint, for the paint department to put on. So Mike was at work one day, and he had one of those days where something happened, something happened, something happened, and then something, somebody said something. So he had a roll of duct tape, and he chucked it across the office as hard as he can go. Um, Mike is an athletic man, and I imagine it was humming. And he shattered a window with a roll of duct tape. And he said, he said, Toby, as soon as it left my hand, I thought, oh, no. You guys done that before? As soon as you open your mouth and the words are coming out, you're saying to yourself, uh-uh, right? Stop! And it's too late. Your hand is like this far and the, the item has just left it. And you're thinking, I hope that doesn't hit that lady. It leads us to despair. Their neighbors are basically saying, won't you give up? Right? Why don't y'all just give up and make it easy, right? You don't want to have somebody kill you all sweaty and working all day. Let's just give up and go to the front gate and let them kill you on a nice full breakfast stomach, right? We've all been to that point. The Bible counsels us when we've reached this point with discouragement to go to God's word. Take just a minute. Do you know what I do when I read dumb things on Facebook? I take a minute, and then I don't respond, because I'd be responding all day, wouldn't I? I wanted to respond to something yesterday, and Christy said, don't do it. And I said, I'm not going to. But I took a minute, or sometimes I'll write out a response to somebody, and then I'll race it. But I need to not do that, because I might, like, hit send, and it would go for the world to see on Facebook. They'll go, hey, that's our pastor, brother, Pastor Reverend, what a jerk. Look look with me to verses 13 through 23, the second part of our dealing with discouragement. How do we deal with discouragement? How do we battle discouragement? 
It's all fine and dandy that we read it. Okay, it comes from without. It comes from within. It leads to this. But how does that help me when my, car, my two cars have quit and the K-cup machine's not working and I've got a duct tape roll ready to go, right? And you're just praying that that lady's not on the other end of that window. First in verse 13, let's make a plan. Make a plan. He saw discouragement. Nehemiah acted appropriately. He says he positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall. At the openings, I set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. He recognized the fear of attack and he planned appropriately. He is an absolute genius right here. Look how he separated them by family at these parts of the wall. Who are you going to protect the most when there's an attack? Your family. I've told you all this and I'm going to tell you all this again. If somebody comes into that house intent on hurting my wife or my kids, I will straight up end their life. And you all will have to buy new carpet in the parsonage. It just is, right? And I guarantee you, if somebody comes into your house and tries to take care of your wife and your kids, the church will be over there on some Tuesday night putting in new carpet and put new drywall up. Nehemiah knows that. Look how he separated these folks. He had a plan. We're going to separate them by families. And they probably had some relation as they went, so they're going to take care of each other. Ask yourself these questions. I'm going to go slow if you want to write these down. What's happening right now? What's going on? Assess the situation. Right? Just stop. Because the first thing that we want to do is this right here, right? What's going on? Let me just go get that cup of coffee real quick. Go pour a glass of tea. It takes a minute. Number two, am I in sin? Am I doing something against Scripture and against my Lord and Savior that I don't need to be doing? Because sometimes we are or we have, and we, then we don't recognize because we all think we're pretty decent folks, right? You can't be me, right? What I said was true. They needed to hear that. Am I in sin? Number three, is someone else's sin affecting me? Did somebody else sin and now that's affecting me? Number four, what does God's word have to say about this issue? If you're like me, you've got to take some time. I don't have this thing memorized. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to start with that word, right? Whatever it is. Look in the concordance and see what the Bible says about that. Then the Lord and the Holy Spirit will bring some verses to my mind that I might go and read. See what the Bible says about this issue. Finally, how can I move forward in the Lord? When we make a plan and there's discouragement coming, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to go in the basement and suck our thumb and curl up in a ball. The Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible talks about recognizing what's going on and then dealing absolutely biblically appropriate with the specific situation. And they're all going to be different. How can I move forward in the Lord? I had a manager at one of the stores that I worked in Liberty, Missouri. And he, was, he dealt with every situation like you wouldn't believe. He wasn't one of the nicest guys I ever met. Uh, and I asked my store director, I said, how in the world does he do that? I said, he is awesome at dealing with these things. 
And he said, he's not that awesome. <laughs> he's not that great. He's just been doing this long enough that he has seen everything. Guys, when we deal with discouragement long enough, it's going to be different every single time. But if we deal with it biblically appropriate, the best that we can, as discouragement comes, guys, we can take those things. We can say, you know what, that's like three years ago when this happened. That was pretty bad. But here, the Lord brought me through it, and here's how he did it. And here's how we're going to get through this time. You and the Holy Spirit. Number 14, verse 14. You speak encouragement. So after we make a plan, we need some encouragement. Right? It's not enough that we just have a plan and we go, okay, I'm ready to go. I got my three points and boom. It's going to automatically work it out. We need some encouragement. Verse 14 in Nehemiah 4. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the leaders and the rest of the people. So here's Nehemiah encouraging the folks. Do not be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, and your wives, in your houses. He looked, I can just imagine Nehemiah looking among all the folks, kind of doing like a William Wallace, right? He's riding back and forth. He's taking stock of the situation. He's seeing what we got. We got old guys and we got young guys. We got people who are really strong. We got feeble folks. We got kids. Here's what we have. But what does he say first? Remember the Lord. He is great and awesome. Encouragement, he says. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. Fight for your family and your houses. When we see somebody in our church family or in a, in a, outside wherever going through a difficult time, leave negative Nancy and sad Sammy at home. Okay? The last thing that they need is someone to come up beside them and say, that is terrible, you got the worst life ever right this week. Right? Maybe they do, but they don't need that. Right? Give them some encouragement. If you don't know how to say anything, give someone a hug. Beverly loves hugs. She doesn't like hugs, but I like to give Beverly hugs, kind of because she doesn't like them. Give them a hug, right? I can't give uh, Victoria a hug. She doesn't like that or a handshake. We have to do a fist bump. Figure out what someone likes. Right? I like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Makes me happy. Corey, it fixes everything. A Reese's peanut butter cup, you put them in the freezer and you get a glass of milk. There ain't no trouble in the world for about four seconds. Verse 15. Your discouragers will notice. And it happened when our enemies heard that, what it, uh, heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plotting to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall and everyone to his own work. Uh, when we allow the Lord to take care of our discouragement, rather than trying to fix it on our own power, those who discourage us will notice. Will they stop 100% of the time? Maybe not. Right? But especially those like ankle biters. Right? My friend, we go fishing, and he calls them the bait getters. Those little bait getters, they're just going to like nip at your heels. They're just going to say those little things. And you can smile and say, Lord bless you. I hope God takes care of you today. Right? And then don't go and bash them behind their back. Right? Actually love on them. Something's going on when someone's always that nasty. Right? Something's going on. They need you to love on them with the gospel. 
First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, or your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 19, plan to adjust. And I said to the nobles, the rulers, the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive. We are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. Everything isn't black and white. Whenever we make this little plan, when we assess the situation, listen for that trumpet that says, hey, they're attacking over here. They're attacking over here. Plan to adjust. It's okay. Right? It is okay. Verse 23, be mindful of future discouragement. It's not like you're going to have this one situation, and then you're going to say, Lord, if you can just get me through this, I'll be fine. Because guess what? Tomorrow's another day with other discouragement. So plan for future discouragement. It's just going to happen, right? It's going to rain for a month, and you're not going to get the crops in, okay? You're going to get sick for like six months at a time, and it's just going to be that way. There's going to be that doctor bill that just keeps coming that one time in life, right? There's going to be that time where somebody dies, somebody dies, somebody dies, and somebody dies. It just does, right? And to say, my hope is in the Lord, not in what might be and what might be and what might be. So neither I, my brother, and my servants, nor the men of the ground who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took, off, uh, took them off for washing. Why didn't they take their clothes off? Anybody? They had to take their armor off. They had to be ready. What kind of armor do we need to have on? The armor of God. Keep the armor of God on. Be ready with your sword. Have your shield. Be ready to go. Romans 13, 14 tells us, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. As I close this morning and during our time of invitation, I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've just had one of those weeks where you're just discouraged, I don't know what's happening in your life. Maybe you've had just a terrible week at work. You've had one of those health issues, um, whatever it is. I want to pray for you this morning. Won't you come and, and I'll pray with you right here. I promise I'll shut off my microphone. Uh, if you want to come and pray at the altar, you're welcome to do that. And also, I want to ask you this. I always try to close with this. I want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, and we ask ourselves these questions, what happens to me when I die? I was listening to a guy talk on the radio this week, and he was witnessing to a a 20-something-year-old, and he was using this metaphor, and the 20-something-year-old said, I don't think about that. I never do. I'm young. And what did we see in Vegas a couple weeks ago? And you guys know that we we knew of some folks in Paris, Tennessee, that Sonny Melton that was protecting his wife, who was the surgeon, she put my tendon back together on my pinky finger. He was 29 years old. What happens to us when we die? And 
second question is, what does God think about me? And I want to answer these questions with Scripture this morning. And what I'm going to say is not that popular. And some of you might not like to hear this, but it's scriptural. What does God think about you? You're an enemy of His. If you're apart from God in Christ, the Bible says that you are an enemy of His. And we don't like to tell people this. We like to hear that God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, If you're apart from Jesus Christ, absolutely, you and, and I at one point, We're an enemy of him. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans 5.10 says if when we were enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, shall, shall we be saved by his life? We don't come to know God through walking an aisle and talking to a pastor and praying a nice, neat little package prayer. We don't know God and Jesus by becoming baptized and having a nice little certificate and having our names on the roll. We don't know God by having a nice, clean little Bible and spending time on Sunday on a dry church. We come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, because He had to die for you and for me because we were enemies of Him. He made a way. He loved us in that while we were still sinners. He died for us. Now then, what happens when we die, the default place is hell. When you're born, the default is just hell, right? Because we're enemies. You're, we're born an enemy, so the default is automatically hell. The Bible says that wide is the road to destruction, and narrow is the road to salvation. But there's good news. We like that red book, don't we? Good news for you. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of his, he died for us. Romans 10.13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, not prays with the pastor, not gets wet, not has their name on a roll, not sits in a nice padded pew on a Sunday morning. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled The kingdom of God is at hand. Here's how we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We repent of our sins and we believe the gospel, the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for you and for me that we might know him as our Lord and Savior. My plea to you today is that if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you'll come and talk to me and say, Toby, how do I I do this? I want to know him as Lord and Savior. You can do that by coming during our last song. You can do that by hanging out after church when it's a little, it's cleared out a little bit. Or you can see my cell phone number on the screen. You can call or text me and say, hey, I need to talk with you this week. I'm not sure. I'd like to know for sure. During this time of invitation, I pray that you'll respond however God's calling you. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this word today. And we pray that we might put it in our hearts to know that there's going to be to. Uh, There's going to be opposition in the form of discouragement to know that our cars are going to break down, uh, that it might rain on vacation, (laughs) that we might be driving down the highway and our escargot carry thing will pop open and we'll lose half our luggage. Uh, But you're in control. 
Father, I pray for those who are facing real discouragement right now, that you'll encourage them through, their, through your word and through the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray most of all for anyone who is listening to my voice, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, who cannot say without certainty that they know you, that they've, that they've repented of their sin, they've been forgiven by your blood. Father, I pray that this day that they might know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.